for tuning in to Emma Hopper's podcast. My name is Ronnie. Um, I'm also a co-director, uh, specifically focusing on community and collective care. And I'm super excited <coughs> oh, sorry. Um, to be filling in for Rini this week, um, or this episode, I guess, uh, for the podcast. Um, I have been really intrigued by specifically this podcast because I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, and I'm also super excited um, to be here specifically on this episode's theme, which is labor. Um, okay, so to get a little bit into what we're going to be talking about today. So yes, September, obviously this is coming out on after Labor Day, but I think that a lot of us tend to kind of think of all of September um, as far as labor and from Hamba, um, we are focusing all of our teachings and educational culture like kind of sessions on labor this month. Um, so before I get into all the labor themes, I want to take a second to talk about my perspective um, because I think that it ties in to this episode and so like y'all can get to know me better. Um, so like I said, my name is Ronnie. I'm a co-director um, from Hamba, um, working with directly with the community. Um, <clears throat> and my kind of foundation really came from working in a local worker center here in Nashville called Workers Dignity. Shout out um, to them because they're awesome. Um, but I worked there for about two years doing a lot of like community organizing um, and doing all kinds of things, but specifically uh, doing a lot of like labor and uh, yeah, economic justice like organizing. Um, and so um, that's just a huge passion of mine because I grew up seeing a lot of my family members and also folks just around me really struggling working really long hours and um not really having access to health care like accessibility to going up and in, in economic status i guess and i think that that really shaped my view of what um how i wanted to fight for for justice and in my time there, I did a lot more than just that, like, labor organizing. I did racial, like, justice organizing. I did, like, multi, especially multiracial um, organizing, which was just really incredible. Um, I did some transit organizing. I did some, like, housing, like, organizing. Um, and, like, a lot of immigration organizing as well. And I think that all of those things have really shaped my vision of, in general, like, what a better world is supposed to look like. Um, and so I think that that's going to come into play because while some of the earlier podcasts, I think, are, have been, or, like, podcast episodes, I should say, have been a little bit more maybe academic. Um, not that that's a bad thing. I think that that is definitely, like, one of the biggest ways that, folks are learning about uh, these themes and these topics, but my perspective and the way that I want to kind of go through this episode is talking more about like what it looks like on the ground 
Um, and so I think that means looking at why labor organizing is important um, and also labor organizing within Nashville, but also within the U.S. in general and also um, maybe more global um, organizing. I'm looking specifically at um, North Africa and Southwest Asia um, for reference. So that's kind of where I think that we're gonna go today with with our kind of structure. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, keep listening if you want to hear about those things, um, hear about at least my perspective on those things. And yeah, I want to clarify also that I really connect labor organizing with anti-capitalist struggles as well. I know that not everyone might think of them in that way, but I think that there really is no labor struggle without anti-capitalist vision and mentalities. Um, And I think vice versa, right? labor is super important when we think about a world without capitalism, right? So let's talk about, first of all, why labor organizing is important. Why we don't want to focus just on doing racial justice or, you know, whatever other kind of place we want to focus our our energy for organizing. And I think that that is because labor is this intersection where a lot of us share. Um, I think that most able-bodied folks and also acknowledging that a lot of disabled folks as well, um, for the most part, have to continue working um, to like fuel the state, right? And so, and even those who might not, um, might not have to work for whatever reason, um, or might not be able to work, I should say, still feel those effects because a lot of, a lot of us are more, um, working class, um, or maybe not working class, but poor, and kind of struggle with that. So I think that the, like, mentality is there, right, regardless. Um, and so, and I think that when we're talking about organizing across a mass group of people who might otherwise be separated by race or gender, um, thinking specifically the uh, like Swana region, thinking about the Middle East, yeah, thinking about religion. All of those things are things that are intersections or qualities that are often, especially when we're thinking about very polarized like groups, um, as far as majority and minority, um, I think can see a lot of labor organizing in places where they can't organize on those other, on those other levels. Um, and also thinking about with the US, we recognize that obviously we have Liberty, right? Um, 
the U.S. specifically has a very deep history of labor organizing and specifically when we're thinking about um, folks in the south, like rural areas, I'm thinking about Appalachia, um, I'm thinking about their deep roots of struggle and the connection between that and the current opioid addiction, which um, is, I, I, we could talk a lot more about that, but um, I see those connections um, very clearly um, in the same way that we see a lot of other addictions um, to other groups of communities. Um, that isn't to say that I think that white communities are the only communities that have ever organized in the U.S. Um, there are a lot of, in the, in now, uh, these days, we have more, um, definitely more brown and black folks, um, participating in not only labor unions, but also, um, worker centers, community organizations, um, that are all fighting for economic justice. Um, I think a really great example um, of brown folks and the power of labor organizing um, is uh, the organization, the CIW, the Coalition of Immokalee Workers. Um, and I hope that folks who are listening will go research them a little bit more because I could spend hours talking about them, but we're not going to do that. Um, but the CIW is this amazing coalition of Latinx, undocumented um, workers in Immokalee, Florida, who have been organizing in the fields um, and also and organizing farm workers for years and have become the model of what it means to organize specifically maybe Latinx or undocumented workers, but also just a, a guideline of what it means to organize in general. Um, and I think that that is just a testament to what labor organizing is able to do. Um, I, I think in thinking about the U.S. is maybe, um, I think labor justice is where you might see a lot of undocumented folks really showing up, undocumented and also brown and black documented folks. Um, because I don't believe that there's the same fear in labor organizing as there is in immigration organizing or in housing organizing. Like, you know, especially with housing, um, that is where a lot of folks get really afraid because if you don't have your house, you don't really have anything else, right? Like that's your, that's your home. But anyway, all that to say that I think the U.S. has a very rich and uh, somewhat diverse history of labor organizing. Um, not that, and not that there aren't a lot of kinks in that, um, but I do think that it is a very successful way of organizing, and especially thinking about specifically with labor unions, but. In general, the connections of work being done by labor unions and the labor movement with the immigrant move, uh, immigration movement, I should say, um, and like the racial justice movement, 
I think that, so I am definitely a nerd for multiracial, intersectional, whatever you want to call it, um, organizing. And um, I think I'm really big on coalitions, so I'm like, yes, labor movement, immigration movement, and racial justice movement all have to come together because we are more powerful when we are connected. But anyway, that's just our little Ronnie spiel. <laughs> so I want to move over now and think about more global labor organizing. And of course, I have to stop here uh, to talk a little bit about uh, the Arab Spring, if you know, as it's called, um, or just movements across or revolutions across the countries in Southwest Asia, North Africa. Um, and so I always feel a lot of pride when talking about these revolutions because, yes, I recognize that there's still a lot of destabilization in this region and uh, recognize that a lot of our folks are still continuing to be harmed by oppressive regimes. Um, I don't want to give the assumption or I don't want anyone to think that I'm like the Arab Spring totally worked and you know everything's better like no I got it I know um, but I think in theory maybe or even just there I think that there are more successful parts of these revolutions than just overthrowing a dictator um, and so I want to think about that specifically for a second. Um, I'm going to focus specifically on Egypt because that's the one that I know best, um, obviously, because we out here representing. Um, so labor organizing has been kind of disputed as far as like how much of a role it really played in the revolution in Egypt. For me, I see the clear connections, but I recognize that uh, labor organizing doesn't just come from trade unions, um, but just comes from people, right? And that's reconnecting, and that's connecting back with um, the anti-capitalist struggle. We all know the classic protest chant from the Arab Spring, and for me, that is always the line that stuck out because to me, that's where I see that labor organizing, right? Or that anti-capitalist struggle, or just that like, hey, I can't make enough money to feed my family, to survive, whatever it is. And for that to be the slogan of this revolution, I think really says that community in Egypt was feeling pressure of just being poor. Of, and I think for a lot of us in diaspora, we hear a lot from family members or from the news maybe if we really keep up with it about how it's not really getting better. Um, we recognize that poverty in Egypt is, has been 
a huge struggle for a long time now. I should also add that I don't know much about labor organizing today, um, specifically in Egypt, but I would like to know more. If anyone has any contacts or information, I would be so down to get on a phone call with someone and just hear what they have to say. Um, again, because I am a total labor nerd, if you haven't found out already, um, but it's fine. <laughs> I also, when I think about labor organizing on a global scale, often think of the Zapatista movement in Mexico. And again, yes, I recognize that it's a little different, but like I said before, I connect anti-capitalist struggles with labor organizing. So it's fine. Call me out if you want, but that's what I'm going with. Um, but anyway. Yeah, I really see the Zapatista movement as really just like an amazing base foundation of what labor organizing globally should look like. Um, and they have, you know, they're a very old coalition community um, grouping of folks um, who have really nailed this down. So the rest of the world should just catch up, I guess. So now because I have a lot of experience with organizing in Nashville. I want to take a second to talk about my experience a little bit with organizing with specifically the Egyptian community, but also with labor organizing in, the gen in general. So for anyone who isn't aware, Nashville has a very large working class population. This is thinking about specifically Oswana folks, and also even more specifically, Egyptian Coptic folks. Nashville has a huge working class population, a lot of whom is work still working in hotels, and we can talk a little bit about what that means later. Um, but also working in factories, working um, working in the service industry, I think in general. Um, so for me, when I was organizing, I was work, I was organizing a lot of, first of all, housekeepers, and then moving on to a lot of general worker organizing. And when we're thinking about housekeeping or hotel work, obviously we have to think about who's doing that labor, and we recognize that that is, those are our, our moms, right? Um, not, I say that not to be like specifically your mom, but like our, our collective community, mothers, or whatever. <laughs> um, I also say that as um, a person who had folks who worked in hotels in general. Um, and I think that this gets a little emotional for me because I, I started organizing I started organizing because I felt this really deep anger about not being able to see my parents a lot. And I know that that maybe sounds a little silly, but uh, you know, it's hard to grow up and always have one parent outside of the house and like always having your parents be exhausted and like all the, uh, <laughs> all the garbage that happens around, you know, our bosses and working for a huge corporation. Um, 
but yeah I get super emotional um because I also think about how many community members have had to go through this experience seeing their parents being away or having you know being the parent and working really long hours being exhausted for very little pay most housekeepers in Nashville I would say are making around 12 maybe $13 an hour um which is not a lot considering how pricey Nashville is getting but whatever <laughs> that's just a little shade at Nashville but I've also met women who are making as little as nine ten dollars an hour which is definitely not enough to sustain um a family and also thinking about housekeeping work is very difficult work and anyone who thinks differently clearly has never worked uh cleaning because yeah it sucks um especially being around chemicals um having to do a lot of the same movements of, of hands or arms or whatever it might be. Um, and I think because our community in Nashville is so small, we won't really start seeing the effects long-term until folks get much older, unfortunately. Um, although we have seen the research from, uh, from the U.S. in general talking about I think specifically looking at Latino women of the damage that is done to their bodies from working in cleaning or housekeeping for um, a long period of time. So I, surprise, surprise, think that there are huge opportunities for community organizing in all different shapes, but specifically with labor for um, in Nashville. Because I think that it's clear that folks are overworked um, and not making enough money and working for corporations and institutions that don't really care about them, that don't care about their well-being um, and are really just exploiting them for their labor. So the way that we can work to combat that is, first of all, at the very base level, letting our community members know what their rights are on the job. It's really easy to get access to all sorts of like know your rights information and those are very easily accessible online and we can also as an Mahabba share some of those on our social media so folks have those um, and things that are translated into Arabic so we don't even have to worry about it yeah. Um, but yeah, I think just letting our community know what's your what are your rights on the job, um, letting them know how to calculate their their hours worked so that they know that they are getting paid the right amount and aren't experiencing wage theft um, or anything like that. And I think that in general, our organizing should look more like just care. Um, and I know that's on solely coming from me, the like collective care person, but I think that our community is really divided. Uh, I, I wouldn't say divided actually, scratch that. I would say our community is very disconnected. And I think that if we were able to care for each other more, um, we wouldn't feel so alone. Not to get super deep, but. <laughs> 
I think that we would be stronger if we care for each other. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Um, if you're interested in learning more about labor organizing or really community organizing in general, hit us up on any of our social media and we would be so down to like meet with you or jump on the phone or you know whatever it is meet with you in person um, to talk about how you can get plugged in and so this leads me into talking a little bit more about Anahaba in general because I don't know if we've ever talked about it on this podcast if we have then I'm just repeating myself but you know it's fine so if you're listening to this being like I don't know what Anahaba is uh, first of all, congrats for making it all the way to this podcast. Um, Amahapa Center is a community center targeted towards Coptic folks in Nashville, Tennessee, um, doing a lot of different work around youth um, and community, culture, and care. Um, I am one of the co-directors, as well as Lydia Inarini. Irini, who usually does this podcast and also does a lot of our youth programming, and Lydia, who's our developmental director, who does all of our social media and just does a lot of work behind the scenes. We love Lydia. (laughs) Um, And we are just this group of Coptic women who saw a lack of attention and care in our community and wanted to do something about it. Um, I had my experience with organizing and Lydia and Irini had their own collective experience as well um, with community groups and nonprofits. And we just came together because we thought that we might be able to make a difference and that we wanted to pull people together to make a difference as well. If you want to keep in contact with us or just see what we're up to, you can find us on Facebook at El Mahaba Center Nashville or on Instagram at El Mahaba Center. Um, And you can also follow us here because we will be continuously posting more episodes um, talking about a lot of different themes. We're expecting to put out another episode before September ends on labor again. Uh, We'll probably change it up. I mean, we will definitely change it up, but uh, I'm not sure what we'll do yet. Hopefully it will be me and Irini. um, So it won't just be one person kind of talking at themselves. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so keep up with us on social media to hear more about when that might drop. Um, And also, just to keep in touch with us for all the other things that we're doing. Um, So, yeah, do all those things, and I guess you'll hear from us soon.